Thank you, worship team. Nice to see you guys here. Of course, the lights come on. I can't see you now, but that's all right to see you guys here today. Thank you for, you know, if, just if you're a guest today, thank you for taking time to, to, to worship with us today. We consider that an honor and a privilege, and so thank you all for being there. I hope I have a chance to meet you afterwards. Um, last week, we introduced, well, let's, let's skip that. Let's, let's just go right to this. You know, I'm, you'll find I'm, I'm more of a storyteller than a preacher sometimes, so I have a story to tell you. Of another time, it was a different church where I was serving as the interim pastor. We were having a midweek Bible study slash prayer meeting. And as we were gathered around in the room there, people started sharing about their, about their day. And every person in the church had had a horrible, or as, as they would say, as Alexander would say, if you know the children's book, had a, had a terrible, horrible, very, no bad, no, has, I can't remember it now. Terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. There we go. All right. So it's been a while since I've been a child, so I've forgotten how that book went. So, I mean, it was bad. And people, not even just bad days, but they were saying things like, I just felt this spiritual oppression all day. And it was, it was just, I felt like <clears throat> I was just struggling in my spiritual life with everything that was going on. And it got around to me, and I was a little bit guilty because I had had a, I'd had a wonderful day. It had been a great day. I felt God's presence and felt marvelous and just felt like I was getting things accomplished. And it was really great. And, I, and I'm sitting here thinking, going, oh, wow, Satan chose to attack our church. And he said, all right, I'm going to attack this person, this person. Oh, the pastor, I don't need to worry about him. He's not, 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 he's not, he's no trouble at all. I actually felt guilty that I had had a great day that day. But here's what I didn't know. About four days later, I'm talking with my mom, and she says, how was your day Wednesday? And I said, well, it's interesting. She asked, and I told her the story. She goes, all right, here's the weirdest thing. Now, my mom lives in Georgia, and this was here, this was in the Bay Area where I was with this church. And she said, a lady in her church, and she named her, and I couldn't remember her, um, came up and said, ask me in, pyramid, in a prayer meeting in our church, how is your son doing? And I said, well, I assume he's doing okay. I haven't talked to him today. And she said, well, I have just felt compelled to pray for him all day today. Chills ran up and down my spine because I'm now convinced for some reason that day was the day that the powers of evil had chosen to attack our church. And you know, guys, I've been here long enough. You know, I don't normally talk in those kinds of terms. I'm not one of those guys that sees a demon behind every chair and, and behind every person here and everything like that, okay? But I do believe there's a spiritual world out there, and it does interact with our world. And, and it does do things that affects us, and we, through prayer and other things, could affect the spiritual world. But I mean, just chills put me in to realize, wow, I truly believe that the reason I was spared whatever my church was going through that day, because there was one lady 2,500 miles away that responded to God and prayed for me that day. And that one seasoned saint kept away the powers of evil from me that day. Now, God doesn't always work that, that way, and God doesn't owe us anything to answer our prayers. But I think God does answer our prayers more often than we realize, and he wants to answer them more often than we realize. And so we're going to talk about prayer today. So I'm going to ask Marshall to come up and read our scripture for today. So Marshall, if you come on up here. Our scripture passage is Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 to 20. So Marshall, if you just uh, oh, need to grab a microphone for you here, I guess. I didn't ask the guys which one, so this, the wireless one, can I use this one? All right. That's me being disorganized, okay, and not being ready with that. So there you go, Marshall. All right, Ephesians 6, 18 through 20 says, 
Pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request, and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this, I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough to speak about it as I should. Thank you so much, Marshall. Appreciate it. See, not just a pretty face at the barista table for missions, okay? So, all right. All right, having said that, Marshall, thank you so much for, for doing that. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, as we look at the topic of prayer today, it is a scary one for me. Father, I know that I'm not always the most shining example of prayer, and I feel like there are times that I don't enter into it with the attitudes that I should. <clears throat> so, Father, for all of us today, including me, I pray as we look into our, your word today that you will not only teach us about your desires, your heart for us in prayer, but you will help us learn ways to lean into your spirit more, that we can be better prayers, that we can pray better prayers, and that, Father, we can use this great tool you've given us a prayer to connect to you, to glorify your name, to lift you up, and to serve you and love you better throughout the week. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if, you, uh, if you're familiar with this passage, in, in the, it's known as what we normally know as the armor of God. And uh, when we look at the armor of God, people you know, talk about the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation and the blessed breastplate of righteousness. But often we forget this little part of prayer. That gets left out a lot of time in that thing of the armor of God. And it's, and it's one of the few offensive weapons in there. Not that it offends people, though it can, but, but that it's used to, to, to defend and to attack. It's something that's very powerful. So as we look at this, the first thing I want you to see out of this passage is that it says we must pray with power because prayer is a powerful tool. Now, this is, like I say, it's a part of that armor of God. And he uses a couple of words there for prayer. He says, I pray, said, with every prayer and every request in the translation that we're using there. And that word prayer is sort of a general word for any time you're talking with God. And that request deals with specific prayers for specific things. In other words, he's saying pray in general to God all the time. Have a relationship with them. Just like with, with your friends, there's, there's times you have conversations, you don't really talk about anything. All right, now ladies, you may not understand that as well because you guys usually talk about specific things. But guys can go spend a day on a golf course or go and work on a car together and, and talk the whole time and then come home and the wife says, what would you talk about? I say, oh, nothing, you know. We talk, but it's, you know, it's more general, so that's sort of guy talk there. Um, but, but women will talk, you know, spend five minutes, and they've learned your life history and everything like that. And I know that's, that's a little bit sexist and a little bit of hyperbole, but it's also a little bit true. So I um, want to keep that in mind. But, but there's two words to that. So there's that general prayer, uh, and then also it say bring specific requests before God. And it also says treat it as a powerful, powerful tool. And the Bible talks about that in a lot of ways. For example, in 2 Corinthians 10 Verses 4 and 5, it says this, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We're destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And one of the ways we take thoughts captive is by bringing them up in prayer. That's an important thing. And then in James chapter 5, uh, verses 16 to 7, 18, it says, the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. And it tells the story of Elijah. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again 
and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. You know, here in California, we worry about drought so often and now floods and that kind of thing, and we think, here God has said so many times, if his people had prayed for rain, maybe, that it might have come. And if you've been praying for rain, you can take a break now, okay? We've got a while. Well, that all right? So, but the, the whole point of this is it is a powerful, powerful tool. Now, if you saw a three-year-old running around with a Nerf gun, you might kind of, you know, watch your face and that kind of thing, and you, but you wouldn't worry about it too much. But if you saw a three-year-old running around with an AK-47, what is AK-47? Is that what it is? That's how much I know about assault weapons, all right? Okay. All right, with a 12-gauge then. All right, so a three-year-old running around 12-gauge, you'd be afraid, right? Here's the idea. Let's not treat prayer like it's a Nerf gun, but let's use it like it is a spiritual assault weapon. And I want to be careful with that. I don't want to trigger anybody. Trigger, that's probably the wrong word to use. Uh, I, don't want to, I don't want to cause anybody problems. Here, you can laugh when I mess up, don't you? You guys like that when I... That was not in my notes. That probably, that was not, that was not a serious thing here. All right. But, um, but that idea is we, we sometimes treat it like it's just a simple, easy little thing. We don't realize the powerful, powerful tool that it is. All right. Um, again, this is for some of our younger ones there. But when I think of power, I think of Darth Sidious. All right. Anybody knows who Darth Sidious is? Okay. There's Darth Sidious. Power. Unlimited power. Okay. Used for evil in this case. But... Some, I, I, know, I can see blank looks on some of you guys there, all right? Star Wars, all right? Don't, don't, all right. So we'll, we'll go into a try, try a different one then. How about this one? How about Uncle Ben Parker? With great power comes great responsibility. That's in the, the first Spider-Man, modern Spider-Man movie, okay? But there's the idea that God has given us this great, powerful tool of prayer, and we have a great responsibility to use it and to use it well. And that's what Paul is talking about in this passage he's saying with all prayer and petition with perseverance pray pray for me and he gives a specific specific request and he says uh, it gives general requests also so we can come back there and look at that again he says um we're to uh let's see with to, to pray for all the saints so there's a general thing and then he says and pray also for me and specifically for boldness so first encouragement i want to have you to do is say look at prayer as something that is serious and treat it as something with respect just like you would a powerful weapon treat it as something that can break down fortresses and take captive every thought treat it as something that can help change the fabric of eternity I talk about that a lot there are a lot of people that go through this world and nothing they do will be mattered or remembered but when through prayer and through witnessing, we help one life cross over from death to life. We have changed the fabric of eternity. And prayer is one of the tools we can do that. To, to do something that lasts into eternity through prayer. So I want to give you, I want to say that right now. So if you feel impressed by the Spirit to pray for someone like this lady did for me in Georgia, then do it. Take it seriously and realize there truly is unlimited power in prayer in fact i think i i cannot i cannot say that i understand the mind of, of of the evil one but i imagine there are times that we're studying our bible he's not worried about that at all because they're not going to get it they're not going to listen to it and and sometimes i think with our singing he knows that some people are singing it without paying attention to the words i've been guilty of it sometimes where 
two-thirds of the way through a thong, song, and I think all of a sudden I realize, oh, man, I've just been, wow, this is great. And I have been feel, feel bad that I've missed two-thirds of the song because I've just been singing and not with, with my mind but not with my heart there. And, but I think when we pray, that's the time that the powers of evil are afraid because we're connecting into the one power that they cannot defeat, the power of redemption through Jesus Christ and the power of love through God the Father. And so treat prayer like that. Now, I believe most of you get that part of the power part here, okay? I think you get it. I bet there's not anybody here that's going to go like, wow, I never thought about prayer being powerful. But here's what the change I want you to make. Though we may get that prayer is powerful, do we treat prayer as if it's powerful? Do we treat it that way? And, and, and it's, it's odd for us as Christians because as, as evangelical Christians, we have sort of a dual relationship with God. That we look at Jesus as our friend, the Holy Spirit lives with us, and, you know, and there's, there's that time we almost get to that thing of Jesus is my good buddy upstairs kind of thing. But we also forget that he is the son of the Most High King. He is the one who was involved in the creation and and sustaining of all that is in the universe. That the universe is so far beyond our comprehension. I read recently that there's something like like a hundred trillion galaxies out there, they believe. I have no idea whether that's right or not. They're all all guessing. I like the t- comedian Nate Bargatze talks about scientists don't ever know anything. So they said the world was 4 billion years old. Now they say it's 8 billion years old. He's like, how many scientists got fired over that? You know, like you were off by, by 4 billion years. I don't really know how God did it. I don't know how many stuff, stuff there is out there. But I know it's far beyond our comprehension. And maybe there are trillions and trillions of galaxies. Whatever there is out there, God created and he sustains. Maybe as there are in, in all these comic books and things, maybe there are multiple dimensions and multiple realities and stuff. If there are, God's controlling them too. He is the creator and saint of everything. His power is far beyond anything we can imagine. And so we need to begin treating prayer, treating prayer as the powerful tool that he is. And if we believe prayer is powerful and we treat it as powerful, it would be easier for us to follow the next thing, which is we must pray with persistence with persistence. Paul says in verse 18, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. I don't think he's leaving anybody out there, is he? He's saying stick at it, get with it, pray at all times, at every critical time pray, at every other time pray. In other words, it says, uh, what is in 1 Thessalonians 5, pray without ceasing. Now you think, does that mean we've got to always be, be like, Lord, we thank you? No, obviously not. But we should always have this spirit and this attitude where we're ready to jump into prayer at any time. At any time. If you're married and you're, you're, you're home there, you know what? You can talk to your spouse at any time if you want to. Just go find them real quick. Most of the time, they're right there with you. Whether you like it or not, they're right there with you, okay? And you can start talking to them. God is with you at all times. And so having this continual spirit of prayer, that's the sort of attitude. To wake up in the morning recognizing God is there. Now, it doesn't mean you have to wake up and you've got to spend, you know, 47 hours in prayer. We, we hear this, in fact, how many of you heard the old thing about Martin Luther? Who used to, they said, he said things like, I have so many things to do today that I'll never get it done if I don't spend at least four hours in prayer or something like that. Okay, he was a monk. How much did he really have to do, all right? 
I know, you guys have jobs, you got things you got to do, stuff like that. And I'm not telling you all that you're, you know, if you didn't spend four hours in prayer this morning before church, you're a bad Christian. It's not about how much time you spend in prayer. It's about that attitude of always being somehow connected in prayer. Recognizing God's presence always. And praying for things over and over again, even if God has not answered. I think the only time we stop praying for something is when God says, no, I'm not going to do it. If he gives you a no, like he did to Moses. Moses prayed, please let me go into the promised land. And God said, we've talked about that enough. Don't bring it up again. And Moses didn't. But most of the time, God doesn't do that. He says, keep praying. And think about how long it took God to give Abraham a son. But Abraham kept believing in God for that. Yeah, he tried his other things around. He tried other things to do, but God finally gave him a son. How long did the Jewish people wait for a Messiah? 2,000 years. Well, some of them are still waiting. Sorry if you're watching and you're Jewish. I don't mean to be rude, but you, it's, it, it happened, okay? And we can tell you more about that. But 2,000 years they waited for a Messiah. And we're watching and waiting for that. If you look at Luke 18, we won't talk about that passage too much. I won't go to that passage. But in Luke 18, Jesus tells a story about a woman, a widow, who needed help. And there was a judge, and the judge didn't care about people. And she kept going to the judge over and over again. The final judge said, all right, I give in. I really didn't want to do this for you, but just to get you out of my hair, I'm going to give it to you. He said, and if the judge who didn't care about people would do that, how much more will your father who does care about you will respond to things like that? So never give up praying on some, for someone especially for someone's salvation. I don't know if there may be a story of that here in this, in this church, but I've heard stories over and over again of people who, who married a non-believer and they prayed for 40 or 50 years before that person gave their life to Jesus. But it happens. Keep staying persistent in prayer. You know, my, my sister-in-law had a stroke six years ago. Carrie, if you're listening, I'm sorry, I couldn't remember how long it was, all right? I had to pause. I know that we're, on, we're online. I'm always nervous I'm going to offend somebody, okay? It's from being a, it's being a white male baby boomer. I know everything I do is offensive to somebody. But, um, but my, my sister-in-law had a, has been in, in, in a nursing home since that time and, uh, and struggled. In fact, can't remember things. We'll, you know, my brother will go visit her, and then, you know, if somebody shows up later and says, hey, have you seen Carrie today? She goes, no, I haven't seen him in a while. She can't remember anything. But he stayed firm with that. I pray for my sister-in-law regularly. It is very unlikely by human terms. In other words, there's like zero chance she will ever be healed of this until Jesus takes her home. But I still pray for it regularly. God hasn't said give up on that, so I'm still going to do it because I know he can. I don't know why he hasn't, but, but I know that he can. And let me set a sidebar with this. We got pastor search team meeting, so I can't really go overtime today. But I want to bring, this wasn't in my, you know when I step to the side. Guess when I step to the side, it means I'm leaving my notes, and it means we're going along, all right? But, um, but I want to say this too. Sometimes God wants us to pray. I do believe this, that God wants to pray for something that God has no intention, no plan to, to make that happen. But he wants us to pray just for the giving us the opportunity to exercise our faith and to put our trust in him for example i have a close friend very godly man has been one of my counselors one of my mentors many times suffering from parkinson's disease and um i had an aunt who died from that i know the ravages it can take on a body and i pray regularly for him to be healed 
But as we were talking at one point, we were just d- discussing this, and you know, and we were, we were praying for his healing. We both realized, is God likely to get more glory from healing him or more glory for seeing a godly man go through this than what, how a godly man reacts? And we realized it might be possible that God might get more glory by letting him go through this disease. And if that's the case, our purpose, not our mission, but our purpose is to glorify God. And so if that happens to us and it's a way that God gets more glory, we let it happen. But, until, but that does not keep us from praying, and I will continue to pray for his healing, just as I will pray for the healing of my mother. I'm sorry. You're gonna, you know, we're going to get a pastor search team here. You're going to pastor it doesn't cry up on the, on the pulpit, all right? But just a big old baby, that's all. All right, so let's get going. Here, my point in this is, all right, I think you guys all get it. Never give up praying on someone. Be persistent in all of it. And then the, the, the final point, yeah, we're already at the final point, but it's our longest one. Pray with a purpose. Pray with purpose. And Paul gets very specific about his prayer requests here. First he says to pray for him as a Christian leader. So one of the things I want you to do is you pray with a purpose. Pray for the personnel of the kingdom. Make, make a point to pray for the personnel of the kingdom. So I do want you to pray for me. Now, again, I'm your interim pastor, but, I'm him, I'm, but still, that makes me your pastor in the interim, and I need your prayers. Pray for, for Hunter, as another of your ministers here, our deacons. Pray for the pastor search team that we're meeting today. And by the way, if you've never been on a pastor search team, it's, it's the most miserable thing you can be on next to the nominating committee. Nominating committee is worse, but pastor search team is the next toughest one to be a part of. And so these seven people have no idea what they're getting into. All right, and they're going to find out today, so pray for them, okay? And if you hear crying from the kids' bill, it's not, that's where we're meeting. It's not children. It's people in the pastor search team. But I'm serious about praying for them. Pray for our missionaries. If you come to our, to our, to our Wednesday night prayer meeting, we list our missionaries every week in that prayer list. Pray for our, our civic leaders because they are a part of our kingdom work. In fact, Paul even talks about that in 1 Timothy 2, uh, verses 1 and 2. He says, first of all then... I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men for kings and all who are in authority. So that's really important. So pray for your church leaders, your deacons, the worship leaders, everybody on the worship team. All right? I'm not going to ask right now, but when's the last time you prayed for Erica or for Jake, you know, from from worshiping there, all right? I'm not going to ask you, but some of you probably have never thought about doing that before. But they're leading us in worship. So praying for them also. Um, so praying for, if you're, if you're in one of the small groups, praying for your small group leaders. I pray for them regularly. Hope you're praying for your small group leader. All right, praying for all sorts of people like that. So praying for all the personnel of the kingdom, whoever that might be. Praying for people in other churches. In fact, I know, in fact, right now I can guarantee you that this morning there's a pastor in uh, Walnut Valley in L.A. who prayed for our church this morning. Because we have a covenant together to be praying for each other. And so, and it's, it's part of our discipline of praying for churches and praying for the leaders there. So make a commitment to pray for leaders. Put them in your prayer list at some point. In fact, I have Hunter and Jeremy and Red and the small group leaders and, and Donna uh, on our staff. Yeah, sorry I left you out, Donna. Donna's doing slides. She could cut us off right now with everything there. But pray for Donna. Because not only does she have to do the administrative stuff of our church, but she has to put up with Hunter and me. 
And so she needs more prayers than anybody. But, but I pray for them regularly. I have it in my Google Calendar, and it pops up every day to pray for these guys. So be, be persistent in praying for people, personnel of the kingdom. Second, he says, pray for the persecuted. <clears throat> and Paul calls himself an ambassador in chains because Paul was in prison during this time. In fact, some people think the reason why the Holy Spirit used the armor of God to, to talk about spiritual life is Paul's chained up to a Roman soldier. He's looking over there going, the Holy Spirit's going, look at that stuff. You can do something with that. And he's going, yeah, he's got a helmet. He's got a sword, everything. All right, so it's, it's just God using the circumstances there. But he says, pray for him because he was in prison. He says, pray on my behalf. And Paul wasn't afraid to ask people to pray for good things to happen to him like that. And so he really, he was probably in, he could have been in leg irons or, 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 or in some kind of stockades at that point in chains because he literally, literally was an ambassador in chains. So pray for the persecuted people around the world too. Um, I, I got you some, I wouldn't put them on the screen, but I just, this week, went to persecution.org and to uh, Voices of the Martyrs, and I, I pulled up some, some headlines from this month about the persecuted church. And there's a map from, uh, from the Voice of, Voice of Martyrs just showing the dark places of the places where either hostile to Christianity or restricted. So the grayer and the darker are places where Christians are being persecuted on some level. Here's some of the things just from this month. 66 Indian Christians kicked out of their village. Multiple attacks on Christians across the Indian state last Sunday. That was last Sunday, seven days ago. Over 70 Christians killed in the Democratic Republic of the Congo in two weeks. Militants promise attacks on Nigerian Christians after the upcoming gubernatorial elections. And then right after that, 17 Christians killed by militants in Nigeria's southern region. Gaza churches struggling to survive right now. Can you imagine you're dealing in Gaza where you've got Muslims and Jews, both who don't believe what you believe and are working against you. And, those, and they're fighting each other and you're caught in the middle of it. Um, another one, militant Christians kill clergy for not supporting the ruling party. That was another in, Af in Africa. So I'm just saying it's all over the world. There are places that Christians are being persecuted. We have it easy, you know. We're, we're sitting here, and, and this country complaining about things like government's trying to shut us down because we have to follow AB 506, which means we have to do background checks on our children's workers, which we do already. All right, so, so you know, those kinds of things. So Paul said, pray for those who are persecuted. I want to encourage you to, 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 to pick a country or two that you know somebody or you have some kind of relationship with where Christians are being persecuted. Maybe as a family. If you've got small kids, my, my family, when our kids were small, we would still pray for perse the persecuted church. We wouldn't tell our kids stories about people being drawn and quartered and things like that or killed in their churches, that kind of thing. But we would tell them that <coughs> people were being put in jail for, for, for believing in Jesus and worshiping. So families, couples, pray together. Pick a country and adopt it and say, this is going to be my, my prayer thing. And who knows? There may be, God may never know it, but there might be some pastor in North Korea who's sitting down to a secret prayer meeting with his, t with his church and finds out all of them had really crummy days. But he had a great one because there was somebody in Fresno praying for him even though he didn't know it. So do not hesitate to pray for the persecuted church around the world. And then Paul says also, <clears throat> third, and I think most important this, to pray for the proclamation. This is that thing about praying with purpose. And he says, pray on my behalf 
not that I may get out of prison, but pray on my behalf that God may show me how to talk. In fact, here's how he says it. That the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. Because this is the reason that I'm an ambassador in chains. Paul said, I'm in prison right now. Not because of anything I did wrong, but I'm in prison right now because God's given me the opportunity to witness. Because he said Paul was chained up to a Roman soldier. Guess what? If Paul wanted to start, if Paul wanted to start witnessing, that Roman soldier could only go as far as that chain. That's as far away as he could get. And he couldn't, he couldn't slap Paul and tell him to shut up because Paul was a Roman citizen. And Roman soldiers get in big trouble for doing that. So, so every four hours when the Roman soldier got changed, Paul got a new person to witness to. So I imagine some guy, you know, Flavius Justinius coming in and going, okay, Paul, pick up where we were before. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jesus, I got it. Just keep going. All right. I mean, he didn't even have like a PS, you know, like a, a switch he could pull out and start playing or anything like that. He just had to sit there and listen. So Paul said, this is the reason I was doing it. But he said, pray that I might be able to present the gospel. So when you pray for those people in the persecuted church, yeah, we pray for their protection, for their safety, but also pray for their boldness in all of this. Pray for their boldness that the gospel might be able to go out. Listen to what Paul wrote from another uh, letter that was written from prison, the book of Philippians. He wrote, now brethren, I want you to know that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and everyone else. And that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment now have more courage to speak the word of God without fear. And that word, the Praetorian Guard there, it's not a word we use very often, that meant Caesar's in personal guard. <clears throat> so some of these guys he was witness to might be guarding Caesar right after that. These were the innermost guards. And he says that a lot of these guys in Praetorian Guard have become Christians because of this. And that because of this, the other people in the church here are learning to witness more boldly because they see my example. So keep praying that I will be able to do that. In fact, a little bit later in Philippians, he closes Philippians with this. He says, all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. So Paul, in his being in chains, wound up not only witnessing some of the guards, but also got to some of Caesar's family because of Paul being in chains and because of the church praying for the proclamation. So this is where I want to talk to you about what I call missional prayer. This is where we're getting to the very last part of this. Missional prayer, I love this word. Missional prayer has gotten to be a, a, a big word around, but we use it for like churches being missional. But missional prayer is a big deal. Now, I don't think it's our case in our church, but there's a lot of churches where prayer looks something like this, okay? Where prayer is what we call organ recital prayers. Everybody had an organ recital prayer? An organ recital prayer is when you go out of the room and somebody says, yeah, pray for me. I've been having trouble with my knee, and uh, if you guys could just pray that I can go see the doc, get in and see the doctor about that. Oh yeah, my my niece is having some heart problems, and we need to pray for that. And <clears throat> you know, um, no, so and so suffering from allergies. Pray for them a lot, if you would please. And yeah, and uh, uh, you know, my uh, I'm going to see the eye doctor in two weeks. Pray that you know that I can get my vision fixed or whatever. So we're praying for all the different organs that are going wrong. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but that's what I call organ recital prayers. Those are not necessarily missional. 
they're good prayers, and I encourage you to pray for each other. Pray for each other when we're sick. Twyla just had gallbladder surgery, and I was praying for Twyla. The church, we prayed Wednesday night for you, too. We, we prayed a lot. We prayed that Reuben would take good care of you, did he? Okay, good. I'm glad to know that, all right? So, uh, so do not hesitate to send in those prayer requests to the church, but I think those ought to be a small portion of our, of our prayers. In fact, I had a friend that told me one time, he said, you know what? Most churches spend more time praying to keep Christians out of heaven by not dying than we do praying sinners out of hell. And think about that. I want you to kind of keep that in mind. Are your prayers more about keeping Christians out of heaven, or at least delaying their journey there? And how much time do you spend praying sinners out of hell? Now, if you have family members, friends, co-workers, neighbors that are non-Christians, you should be praying regularly for them by name. Okay, and I know that gets tedious sometimes, especially with somebody you're not connected with very well. I have a person that I've been trying to witness to, and I only see them once every two months or so, and maybe not even that often, and I forget sometimes, and I'll admit, I, I've slacked off in my prayer for them. I've not been as persistent as I need to be, but we all need to do that. So if they're non-Christians, you know by name, pray for them by name. Not that God doesn't know who they are, but that helps you stay focused. Praying specifically that these people become Christians, or also, if you've got people that you, that you think might not be Christians, no matter what side of the political aisle on, you're pretty sure that everybody on the other side of the aisle is not a Christian in politics. So pray for them too, all right, whatever it might be. So maybe you need to be praying for President Biden that he'll get his life right with Jesus. Or maybe you need to be, feel like you need to be praying for, for Donald Trump because you know, he needs to get his life, or Kevin McCarthy, or whoever's on, you know, it doesn't matter. We all have our opinions on those things. But be praying for those people that you think that, that you may know they're not believers and praying in general for for people that are not Christians praying that when we go to uh, to rescue the children when we go to paintbrush that we might engage people who aren't believers sometimes praying just today Lord like Lord I don't have a non-Christian to pray for by name so Lord what I'm gonna pray for today is you might help me see somebody in my sphere of influence right now who's not a Christian that I can be, begin praying for Another one of my pastor friends prays this prayer every morning, and it's one that you might want to consider. And he says, every morning his prayer is, Lord, I don't ask for much, but one thing I do ask, today, give me a heart for the lost. And that's part of his prayer for the, for the, for, for the people who don't know Jesus. That this day I will see them through your eyes. That I will have compassion for them like Jesus did. That I will be able to to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel anytime I have chance. That's the kind of church I want our church to be. That's our real commitment today. And so I'm going to say this at this point. When you're praying by yourself, when you're praying with a group, when you're here Wednesday night, let's, let's, let's pay attention for a little bit and make sure we're spending less time in the organ recital. And we're praying, and not, not to get rid of it, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying, but to make the real focus of it Praying missional prayers, praying in your personal prayer, in your family prayers, in church prayers, to pray for the missions and ministries of the church. In fact, I've got a list of some things up here that we could be praying for, right? I just want you to, to think about it. And it's a kind of a long list, but I want you to think about it because I want to give you a warning. We're going to wrap up here with something we have not done since I've been here. We're going to have a time of prayer. And I'm going to invite you guys in a moment, just if you want to, to come down here. 
not because anything more special about here, but you want to come here and just kneel before the, uh, not before the altar. We don't, we don't have an altar here, but this is sort of our focus here. If you want to do that, or if you want to turn around in your chair and kneel down, or if you want to just come here and stand, just as a, as a way of changing your posture to focus. And we're going to have our deacons here, Red and Jeremy will be here. If you want to pray with somebody, if you need somebody to pray with you on something, if you just want to pray by yourself, but here's some of the things we want to think about. So let's look at some of these here. All right, I want you to be thinking about praying for our search team, obviously. That is one of the things that, that's important today with our first meeting. Praying for our deacons, for our small group leaders. Praying for our sister churches. We have churches, all of you all know friends in other churches that, that, that need to be praying for them too, that they can be missional churches. Praying for ministry opportunities, both by the church and personal ministry opportunities. Praying for unsaved people by name. Praying for our missionaries. And if you don't know who they are right now, just pray for them in general right now, and then Wednesday night we'll get you, we'll get you a list of the prayer meeting on Wednesday night. Praying for your own relationship with Christ is also important. Not from the situation of, you know, that I, that I, you know, that you're focusing on yourself, but you're saying, God, make me the kind of person that can be, that can be more useful to you, that can be, that can be a more powerful prayer. They have the relationship with you that's more natural towards prayer. Praying for your place in the kingdom. We're going to be talking in the near future about places of service for people here in the church. And then also praying for what I like to phrase, God's perfect future our church so here's what I'm going to ask to do we didn't play any music or anything at this point and it's going to seem odd for some people here all right but I'm going to just start us off in a time of prayer and here's just some guidelines for you one thing you heard me say during this time this is not a time to go into holy neutral okay because when you go into holy neutral you sit there and just try to okay I won't think about anything and then you wind up thinking about you know where am I going to go to lunch next what I need to pick up at the grocery store you know um it's stuff like that. No, focus on God. Try to keep focused on Him, all right? If you want to at this point, when we, when we open up, if you just want to lean over to somebody next to you and say, just pray with me right there in your chair, that's fine too. But we're just going to have a time of prayer. There's going to be some times of silence. We're going to be okay with that because God's listening to our hearts, not just to our mouths. If you want to pray your prayer out, just mumble it softly. If that helps you some, that's fine too. If you just want to be quiet, that's fine. But so, as we start praying here, and after a few minutes, and it will seem like a lot longer than that, we're just going to go a few minutes, but after a few minutes, I will close us up at that point. But remember, if you want to come down here, however you need to do, to change your posture, to, to do what you need to do, to focus on prayer at this time. So, Father, we have studied prayer, and now, Father, we want to come to a time of prayer. Father, it's... I know I speak on behalf of a lot of people here and say it's prayer scary sometimes to know we're totally unworthy to walk before you, to come before you, yet Jesus has made us worthy. But Father, help us get past all that, past embarrassment, past other concerns, and just let us focus on you. Father, hear the prayer of your people now. We want our church to be a church yielded to you and used by you. And a church that spreads your love to others. So now, Father, just hear our prayers.
Father, I know you have blessed this church with prayer warriors, with people, Father, who will, who have been lifting up this church. Father, as we look around, we just see evidence of that, how you have blessed this church, how you've made so many, given us so much. Father, we just want to connect to you more. Father, give each one of them here just the ability to just be a little bit stronger, a little bit more persistent, a little bit more bold in our prayers. And then, Father, through these prayers, change us so that we can help change the world for the sake of the gospel and the message of your son, Jesus.